Well, good morning, church family, and happy Mother's Day to you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide under the chairs in front of you, you'll find this on page 552. Proverbs 31 gives us the most extended treatment of godly womanhood that we find anywhere in the Bible. And the word repeatedly used to describe the godly woman in this chapter is the word strong. The godly woman is a strong woman. You see that word used twice in verse 17, and then you find it used again in verse 25. And so the title of my message today is, The Strength of a Godly Woman. And I'd like to begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll consider the text together. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this wonderful opportunity to gather together as a church family. Lord, we thank you for all of the incredible women that you have brought to our church. Lord, mothers and grandmothers, young women, uh, single adults. Lord, but they are all amazing testimonies to your grace. And Lord, we give our thanks to you for them. Lord, today we want to honor our mothers. And I pray that you would use today's text of Scripture To do that. Lord, would you give us a sense of what it means to be a a godly woman? And would you help the women in our church to strive toward this ideal? And would you help us men to to be an encouragement to the women in our lives, that we would spur them on in their spiritual growth? Lord, we will give the praise to you for all that you do in our lives today through this text. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you probably know, most of the book of Proverbs is written by a father to his sons, but Proverbs 31 is different. This chapter is written by, well, written by a man, but the wisdom contained in it comes from a mother to her sons. In fact, look at the opening words of chapter 31. It says, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So as this book comes to a close, it is a mother's words to her sons. And the mother is telling her son about the kind of a woman that she wants him to marry. So it occurs to me here that not much has changed in the last 3,000 years. Mothers are always trying to convince their sons about the kinds of women they should look for to marry. But Proverbs 31 should carry extra weight with us because this wisdom is also part of Holy Scripture. Here we find the kind of woman that we should strive to marry. And what kind of a woman is it? Well, you'll see in our ESV, she is described as the woman who fears the Lord. That's the heading just in front of verse 10. Other Bibles describe her as the excellent woman or the excellent wife or the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife. For my sermon today, I'll simply call her the godly woman. We should look for a godly woman. And why should we look for a godly woman? Well, first of all, because she is truly valuable. That's the first thing this mother wishes to communicate to her son. The godly woman is a valuable woman. Look what it says in verse 10. It says, an excellent wife or an excellent woman, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. 
See, that's because she is more rare than jewels. And it's also because she does more good than jewels, too. Gold and and jewels can add some luxury to your life, but a godly woman will enrich her family, her church, and her community in every way imaginable, physically, spiritually, emotionally. The godly woman leaves everyone who encounters her better off than they were before. And so she is truly valuable. In fact, her value is incalculable. And here in this text, we see the qualities that make her so valuable. First and foremost, it is her character. The godly woman is strong in character. She's not like so many others who are driven by the the passions of the moment. No, the the godly woman has a rock-solid moral foundation which governs every aspect of her life. And so we read here in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. So this kind of woman has a long track record of making morally good choices. And as a result of that, her husband will have absolute confidence in her. Her husband won't worry about whether she will be faithful to him. She made a vow of faithfulness and he knows that she will keep that vow. He doesn't worry about the family finances either. He knows that this godly woman will safeguard the financial well-being of the household. He doesn't worry about whether she will keep her promises. He knows, based on experience, that she will. And even in those times when she has to confront him about a problem, maybe in his life or a problem in the household, he knows that he should listen to those words because they are, they are meant for the well-being of the family. You see, the godly woman is a faithful woman. But then we also see that she's a loving woman. Look at verse 12. It says, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And friends, this is what true love is. True love is, is that inside of us which compels us to give of ourselves for the well-being of others. This is what was exemplified in God when he gave us his son. Remember, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave what was most precious to him, his son. Gave his son up in death on that brutal cross so that we might be reconciled to God, that, that our sins might be atoned for, forgiveness extended, that we could be with him forever. Well, the godly woman shares the heart of God. She is faithful like God and she is loving like him. She is giving for the well-being of all around her. Friends, what a precious gift it is to have a home where your wife and your mother look like this. A woman of strong character. One who is marked by faithfulness and love. But then in verses 13 through 24, we see the deeds that also flow from her faithfulness and love. We see, for example, that she has a very strong work ethic. Look at verse 13. She's an industrious housewife. It says she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. So wool and flax are are durable articles of cloth. And this woman is securing these articles. And with her own hand, she is producing clothing that her family members can wear. 
If you look at verse 21, it says, She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. And the word translated scarlet there could also be rendered as double thick. So she doesn't fear for the winter because she made good clothing for her family members. They're double thick. They're, they're capable of handling the harsh elements. But you know, this godly woman isn't just concerned with functionality either. She also thinks about fashion. Look at verse 22. It says, she makes bed coverings for herself. And her clothing is fine linen and purple. See, linen and purple were luxury items. And so this godly woman is seeing well to the affairs of her household, and she is producing for them durable clothing. It's going to last all year long. It can withstand the harshest winter elements. But she's also thought about what is attractive and beautiful. And so she has secured linen and purple, and she clothes herself with that beauty and functionality. And then we see verses 14 and 15. It says, She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night. She provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. So not only is this godly woman providing clothing for her whole household, attractive and durable clothing, but she is also providing her family with nutritious food. It says she's like merchant ships. That means she's going far and wide looking for the best ingredients, the most nutritious foods. She's bringing it back into her home, and then she's getting up while it's still dark. She's preparing the meals for her household. Verse 27 gives us a nice summary of it all. It says, She looks well to the ways of her household. And she does not eat the bread of idleness. You see, this woman is faithful and she is loving. And that flows out into a dedication to her household. Making appropriate clothing. Preparing nutritious meals. Working day and night to make sure that her loved ones are well cared for. But then we see next, she isn't just an industrious housewife. She's also a very shrewd businesswoman. Look at verses 16 and 18. It says, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength, makes her arms strong, and she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. And so this woman is is going about town, and she hears about a, a parcel of land that is up for sale. And the wheels begin spinning inside of her head, and she thinks, I could buy that land, and I could cultivate it, and I could raise crops on that land, and I could produce products that would be good to sell. And so she makes the decision. She buys the land. She does the work to cultivate it. She raises the crops. She harvests the crops, and then she sells out in the public square. And so now she is doing good for the community as well as for her own family. She has labored to produce these products. She is selling them, providing useful things for the people around her. But then she's bringing the profits home, and she is supplementing her household income. This is a very shrewd businesswoman. Look also at verse 24. It says, And she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. So we saw how she has already produced clothing for her family. 
But now she's also produced a surplus of clothing that she can sell. And she takes that to the merchants. She sells those products, again, producing a a useful commodity for the community. And then she's bringing the profits home, and that is furthering the well-being of her household. This woman is an industrious housewife. She is also a very shrewd and skilled businesswoman. And then we look at verses 19 and 20, and we see that she goes beyond even that. She is also a very generous benefactor. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So as dedicated as this woman is to her family... She also understands that there are other people in this world who are not so fortunate as them. There are people who, through no fault of their own, have been plunged under the the weight of poverty. And and this woman has a big heart, and she's concerned for their welfare. And so even as she is producing clothing for her household and then producing more clothing to sell in the community, she is also gathering up the surplus of her crops And she's sewing a few extra shirts, and she is donating those to the people most in need. As I say, this woman has a very big heart. But her work is still not done, because in verse 26, we find that the godly woman is also a wise teacher. A wise teacher. Verse 26 reads, She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So people are seeking this godly woman out for advice. They know that she has been deep in the scriptures. And she has allowed the wisdom of God to penetrate her own mind and heart. And they're coming to her looking for advice. And it says that kindness is on her tongue. This is so important because you can have all the wisdom of Scripture, but if you're not approachable, it doesn't do anyone good because they're afraid to come to you. This woman is wise and kind, so people feel free to approach her, to ask for help and advice, and she is there to offer it. And the advice that she gives is good. My friends, the picture that emerges in this chapter is a woman who is determined to find her joy in the joy of others. That is the godly woman. She finds her own joy in bringing joy to others. What a contrast this is to modern ideas. Just listen to this quote from Amari Sol, a contemporary author. She writes, quote, You just have to say to yourself, I am not willing to accept anything less than what I deserve. I am smart. I am beautiful. I am a good woman, and I deserve to be happy. And then she concludes, it all starts with you. And then another author, Layla Akita, writes, quote, Seek what you want. See, this is the attitude of our day. That life is all about happiness, and the way to get happiness is to put yourself first. Realize you're smart, you're beautiful, you're good, and you ought to go out there and make yourself happy. Well, the Proverbs 31 woman is also smart, 
and beautiful and good. But she sees the bankruptcy of a self-centered worldview. She understands that is not the path to true joy. In fact, that's the path to misery. She understands because of her godliness that true, lasting joy comes when you give of yourself in service to other people. When you seek to make them happy in God, that's how you will become happy yourself. You know, this is one of those wonderful paradoxes of life that Jesus taught. He said, the last will be first and the first will be last. And he said, those who try to keep their life will lose it. Those who will lose their life for the gospel's sake will keep it in the end. You see, this woman has learned the secret to life. If you want to be happy and joyful and do good all at the same time, then you've got to give yourself in service to others. By the way, serving others does not signify weakness. Do you see any weakness at all in the Proverbs 31 woman? Indeed, the key word of the chapter is strong. This is what strength looks like. In fact, we find here that even her personality is strong. Look at verse 16 again. It says, She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Look at verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. So this is a woman of self-confidence. She sees the field and she says to herself, Hey, I could buy that. I could cultivate that. I could produce good products for that. I could see to the well-being of this community and this household. That is strength. That is strength of personality. Look also at the first part of verse 21. It says, she's not afraid of snow for her household. In the second part of verse 25, she laughs at the time to come. See, here is a woman of serenity in the midst of a chaotic world. Harsh weather is going to come. She's not afraid of it. She's prepared for it. There are going to be chaotic times that come. She laughs at those times because she's worked hard to be ready for them. She's got the clothes stocked up. She's got the money saved from all of that merchandise she has sold. Here is a a strong personality. And look at the first part of verse 25. It says, Strength and dignity are her clothing. This is not a silly woman in any way. Where does dignity come from? Well, it comes from self-confidence, which arises out of a strong moral character, out of a lot of hard work, planning for the future, mining the scriptures for wisdom, and then giving ourselves to the things that really matter in life. That's where dignity comes from. And when people look at this Proverbs 31 woman, a woman who is literally pouring herself out in service to family, community, to the poor, they don't see someone who is weak or silly. They see strength. Her arms are strong. Her personality is strong. Her character is is strong, and it is only by means of that strength that she is able to do all of these things. And as a result, her legacy is also strong. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many women have done excellently, 
but you surpass them all. You see, a lifetime of giving herself in service to others. And the result is that now her husband and children rise up and they call her blessed. She is leaving a legacy of godliness behind. Her life is like a stone dropped into a pond. You see that stone for just a moment, but what happens after it plunges beneath the water? Then the ripples of that stone begin to form, and they stretch across that water until it touches every single coastline. You see, the godly woman's life is short, only a few decades long, but the ripple effects of that life touch everywhere. And it stretches for generations. Or we could say she's like an acorn planted into the ground. The acorn lasts such a short time and then it dies in the soil. But then out of that acorn comes a mighty oak tree which spreads its branches and a thousand acorns drop to the ground. And when they are planted, they grow a whole forest of trees. That is the legacy of the godly woman. She poured her life out for her family, community, for the poor She's been a woman of good character. She has set the example. And now look what happens. Her children rise up to call her blessed. Thousands of lives touched all over. Someone once told me that over the course of an individual's life, they will interact with about a thousand people. You know, that means that you're only about one person removed from a million. You're two people removed from a billion So truly, if you affect, even in a small way, each of the lives that you encounter over the course of your years, and then they touch other lives because of you, you can reach half the globe with your legacy in a single lifetime. Your potential to change the world with your godliness is almost beyond measure. The godly woman leaves a legacy behind And so I love the concluding thoughts in this proverb, verses 30 and 31. This is the mother saying to all of us, Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. My friends, our society would have us to believe that the most important qualities in a woman are youth and beauty and charm and sexual availability. Isn't that the picture of womanhood that we are confronted with every single day in this culture? We see it blasted on billboards. We see it in all the TV programs. We see it on the commercials. We see it in the pictures and the magazines. We see it in music videos that this is what real womanhood is. And this is the ideal that you must strive for. The celebrities and social media stars who get the most attention are the ones willing to be most provocative in public. You know, because of all of that, so many girls and women pour all of their life energy into just trying to make themselves more physically appealing. You know, they're encouraged to do this by the men in their lives as well. Women notice how the men in their lives will ogle an attractive woman, how they will talk about their attributes 
Men will sometimes tell their wives, you know, you're really letting yourself go, giving the impression that the most important thing is their physical appearance. And as a result, men and women both waste their lives on things that don't matter. Things that are fleeting, like what you look like. We're all totally missing the boat. 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4 say this. By the way, these words echo Proverbs 31. It says, We shouldn't preoccupy ourselves with external beauty. Instead, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart and in cultivating the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And so here, ladies, is the ideal to strive for. Not to strive for for perpetual youthfulness or physical beauty. Not to spend all of your time thinking about hair and, and makeup and clothing. Though obviously the Proverbs 31 woman was a beautiful woman. She did wear fashionable clothes. But you'll notice that wasn't her preoccupation and neither should it be ours. Instead, the targets to aim for are these Strength of character, strong work ethic, and an ethic that is especially directed toward household, church, community, the poor, their well-being. Working on strength of personality so that you are not constantly struggling with with self-doubts or feeling the need to try to blend in with the crowd because of your insecurities, but having that strong self-confidence that says, I know who I am in the sight of God. I know what He's called me to do. I know what I'm supposed to be, and by God's grace, I'm going to do that. Strength of personality. And targeting a legacy of godliness that will long outlast your years. Now, how do you become a woman like that? Well, first of all, by spending time in God's Word. You are not going to find the picture of womanhood as presented here in Proverbs 31 anywhere else in the world. You're just not going to find it. What TV show are you going to find this image of womanhood depicted? The only place you're going to get it is in the scriptures. So women, if you want to be godly women, like the ones described here, you've got to be in this text. Go line by line through it. Put yourself up to the mirror of scripture and ask yourself, how am I doing? And where do I need to improve in my character, in my piety, in my work, in my personality? After spending significant time in God's Word, we also need to be among God's people in the local church. You know, I love the fact that we've been able to live stream services over this past year. It's enabled us to stay connected with people who who we otherwise would have lost touch with. But I trust that every one of you understands watching a live stream service is not doing church. At best, you're just watching other people do church. The church of Jesus Christ is a physical gathering of people 
who minister to each other face to face. It's people who are fellowshipping with one another. And they're learning God's word together. And they're praying for each other. And they're worshiping with one another. And they are putting their hand on each other's shoulders when they need that extra encouragement. The church is a a real flesh and blood organism. And you're not doing church unless you're doing it in person. And women, if you want to become a godly woman, like in Proverbs 31, you've got to be deep in the word, but then you've got to be living with the body of Christ. You've got to be sharing your life with others in a local church. Let them give you that positive peer pressure to continue on in the way that you should go. Find older women in the church who have been walking the walk for decades and they can show you what must be done to have faithfulness all your life through. That's what young women need today. And young men, those thinking about getting married someday, this is the kind of a woman that you need to be looking for. You know, men, external beauty is great, but it's also going to fade. The time is coming for all of us when the wrinkles will begin to form and the hair will begin to turn gray and the age spots will start to appear. It's going to happen to all of us. And you know what? It's okay that it does. It's okay. This is God's plan for us in this world. We are born and we grow up and then we begin to age and then we pass from this life into eternity. This is God's plan. It's okay that we age and it's okay that women also age. And so we don't look for that first and foremost. We don't look for a flirtatious personality which will only make you jealous later in life. No, we look for a woman of character. A woman who's not afraid to roll up her sleeves and give herself in service to the household, to her children, to her church, her community. We look for women who have self-confidence. They know who they are. They know how God has made them. They know their abilities and they're not afraid to use their gifts for His glory and the good of others. Men, these are the kinds of women that we should look for first and foremost. And married men, there's something here for us too. When we see these qualities in our own wives, we should be praising them for it. If all we do is praise our wives for the way they've dressed or the way they've done up their hair, we've not done our jobs yet. Yes, they want to hear those things, but they also want to hear that we see their service that, that we see how much they love us and that we, we see their faithfulness to us. And we know that they could have done better than us, but they chose us anyway. And they've given their lives to, to, to look after us and to help raise our kids and to strengthen the church that we belong to. We need to praise our wives for these qualities. Let us praise them face to face and also with cards and flowers and gifts If they live a long way away, our our mothers or grandmothers, let's get on the phone and give them a call or get on our computers and talk to them through Skype. Let's find ways to let them know how much we appreciate them. And men, let's not keep it to ourselves either. Let's get on our public platforms and show people that we love being married 
and that we love having a godly wife and a godly mom. So use your public platforms, be that Facebook or YouTube, or there are more than 40 social media platforms out there. Whatever ones you're on, praise your godly wife and mom. Bottom line is show through your words and actions that you have no interest in the twisted ideas of womanhood that our culture peddles. Instead, you value what the scriptures teach about womanhood. Men, nothing would be more meaningful to a godly woman on this Mother's Day than to hear from you that these are the qualities you love about them the most. And that you tell them that they are building a legacy that is going to far outlast their immediate sphere, that will far outlast the short years that God will give them on this earth, but that they will change eternity because of their service. That's what they would like to hear this Mother's Day. And with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for giving us here at Grace Baptist Church just an incredible group of women, young and old, single and married. Thank you for them. What an example they are. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to honor them, that they would understand that, that we see their good deeds and that we don't know what we would do without them. Lord, I pray that you would help the women in this church to, to be able to tune out all of the, the false ideas about womanhood that our culture peddles, ideas that are self-destructive and that they would instead focus on the unfading beauty of a godly heart. Lord, I pray that you would help us men to show the women in our lives that these are the qualities that we most value. Lord, I pray that you would help us all, men and women, to be growing every day in our knowledge of your word, that it might be shaping um, our value systems, that it would shape the way that we live our lives. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in the men and women of this church and how we choose to live our lives and relate to one another. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.